Welcome to episode 713 of The Sleeper in the Bust. I'm Justin Mason, joined by Jason Collette. Jason, how you doing? What's up, stranger? I am alive, barely. So, uh, unfortunately, the reason nobody's heard my voice in almost two weeks is uh, I went on vacation and got really, really sick at the end of it, and to the point where I couldn't talk, uh, much less for an hour. I'm hoping that I'll be able to make it through this hour without uh, too many coughing fits. I'll, I'll, I'll mute myself and try to take out anything in post, but uh, I do have a cough drop in, so if I make noises with that, I apologize. I'll do my best to try to keep that to a minimum. Yeah, I'm glad you're feeling better. Uh, I, I had the same thing about a week and a half ago. It sucked. Um, but you know, I'm glad our schedules worked out this week because we've had between your health, my travel, uh, yeah, I, I, yeah, your health, my travel, and my family schedule. Um, we've been missing time. We've been missing one another, crossing streams in the night. Yeah, or well, cro- I, passing ships in the night. Crossing streams is not a good reference. <laughs> crossing streams, yeah, <laughs> that's a uh, that's a total different visual for yes. people. So, uh, yeah, no, hopefully, uh, rest of the way we're uh, able to kind of. Uh, meet up a little bit more often, try to get back on a weekly basis. I don't believe I have anything scheduled rest of this season in terms of like going anywhere. So uh, I might have like a fantasy football draft here and there or something like that. But uh, as long as you're available on Sundays, I'll be available. And then uh, if you're not, I will bring in a pinch hitter. So awesome. Everybody can expect uh, that rest of the way we will we will be going uh, pretty close to weekly. So, but yeah, uh, we enjoy doing this. Don't, yeah. don't get us wrong. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, it's it's my favorite part of being in the industry is, is sitting down and talking with you and Paul and uh, my guys over at Friends Fantasy Benefits and you know the people I interview on TGFBI. It's uh, the podcasting part is easily uh, my favorite part of the job. All right, let's uh, let's talk about uh, kind of some notable transactions. Uh, neither of us have podcasted since uh, the death of Tyler Skaggs. Um, you know, I mean, obviously, this happened what on Monday, Monday or Tuesday, and uh, Monday. Uh, he's 27 years old. Extremely sad uh, that he uh, lost his life at such a uh, young age. Um, you know, one of my favorite pitchers to watch, and a guy that I had a real soft spot in fantasy for. Uh, this one. You know, oddly struck me uh, really hard. I was uh, I was really uh, I really had a hard time with it when I found out about it. Uh, just seemed like a salt of the earth type of guy, a, re- a really good person uh, who was leading a, a really uh, you know good life and uh, just just an unfor- unfortunate uh, you know circumstance. We don't quite know yet what the cause of death was. I don't think that really necessarily matters um, at this point, but. Uh, you know, just wanted to make uh, some sort of mention of it because he was uh, a, a really fun guy to watch pitch. He was. Uh, he was one, actually one of the one of the guys I kept in my local AL league uh, this year. I have not yet taken him out of my lineup. I refuse to do it until after the break. Yeah, I, he is staying in there. It, it reminded me, honestly, it reminded me a lot of Nick Adenhart. I mean, I had watched Nick Adenhart's. Uh, I had watched his outing. I think it was an ESPN outing the evening of his death. Like watching him, like oh my god, this was really great. And I, I had, like he had, he was my planned article for that week. Like I was tomorrow, the next day was gonna be a writing writing day. I was like, okay, I've just watched this outing. This, you know, this was like a coming out party. His pitch really well. Wow, 
wake up, find out the news. Um, yeah, I forget exactly what I was doing Monday, but when the news came through, I was like, oh my God. Uh, you know, that is just when you, you, we have this every now and then, sometimes it happens in the offseason. But it reminded me of the Nick Aiden Hart, but also the Daryl Kyle situation where Daryl Kyle was also on a road trip and the team noticed like, dude, where's DK? He's not here at the park. And they found him had had a heart attack in his sleep uh, overnight. Uh, so, yeah, it's just it sucks. I mean, it, it sucks that it's happened to this franchise now twice. Uh, or three times if you include Luis Valbuena because he was playing in the last team I believe Valbuena had played for. I, mean, I don't know if it was the Astros and the Angels, but like three times in a span of six or seven years, this team's had to deal with death, and it sucks. All right. Well, that uh, that kind of closes out that. I mean, it, like I said uh, at the beginning, it's uh, a really kind of just sad uh, state uh, and sad thing that happened uh, to a – Young guy, I mean, just short of his 28th birthday. I think he just, just got, got married. married. Just, yeah, he did. I mean, just really just truly sad. And I think the reaction by so many major leaguers, you know, guys like Andrew Heaney and uh, Patrick Corbin, uh, really spoke to what kind of person he was. Uh, so it's, uh, you know, thoughts and thoughts and prayers out to his family uh, and friends and his teammates and uh, – um, you know, like like I said before, we have no idea at this point what happened um, in terms of the, the cause of death. But, I mean, I think it's, you know, a reminder of, you know, the, f- if anybody's out there struggling with, with anything, whether it's depression, whether it's addiction, whether it's some sort of health issues, there there is help out there. So I, I don't know what cut him down in, in his prime of life. But uh, if you need help, there's help out there. And. Uh, you know, we, I think, all hope you uh, you seek it if that's something that you need. So Indeed. Uh, let's move on to some uh, different news. Uh, I don't, I don't want to say good news. Uh, it's good news for me in some leagues because I spent a lot of money on Liam Hendricks uh, when uh, Trinan uh, was struggling and got hurt. Uh, so I have lots of shares of Hendricks. I also have lots of shares of Trinan. But Hendricks is the closer moving forward for the A's. How long do you think he can keep this job and how long before or how long is it going to be before the A's try to reinsert Trinan back into the role? Sweet. Bad news for me, given that I had Liam Hendricks in Tout Wars for a couple of weeks and then let him go. No, this was weeks. I let him go weeks ago. Thankfully, it wasn't it wasn't like when I cut the dentist a day before Joey Gallo went down. Uh, So it wasn't that it wasn't that thing again. But it was, uh, you know, that is what it is. It just I think it's a, a, a. a friendly reminder that uh, that reliever volatility uh, does not discriminate, and it will bite anyone. I mean, you look back, you look back at how dominant Trinan and Edwin Diaz, Jose Alvarado, <clears throat> Chad Green. I mean, you look at all these guys, how good they were last year, and then how much they have uh, either had injury or struggle, or command issues this year. I mean, there have been times when Trinan's looked fantastic, and I think of that group, he's still been the best of them, but it's clearly been a step back. But that's really what you have to expect coming into a season when a guy, you know, when guys pitch at such elite levels, and you're seeing it this year with Blake Snell too, there's only one way to go, and it's back. 
but how far back they're going to go is what is what the unknown is. But in each one of these cases, Green was sent down to AAA. Edwin Diaz has been an absolute disaster. Uh, you know, Chad, I said Chad Green got sent down. Jose Alvarado has just been MIA most of the season uh, from the roster and his ability to find the strike zone. And then here's Blake trying uh, being injured. So it, it's one of those things you have to factor in every year. This is why elite closers typically go for elite prices. Mm-hmm. But here's here's two of the elite last year that are clearly uh, not break, not returning the value. So it's it's one of these. It, this is one of those seasons where I, you, you're going to see that pendulum sw- uh, sw- swing again and uh, heading into 2020. Screw it! I'm not buying closers. Look at what happened last mm-hmm. year, and it may be that time where the prices come down just a little bit, so you can get back into that game. If you're one of those people who don't like paying, uh, you know, the, I paid. I think I paid twenty three dollars for Brad Hand in uh, in AL Tout. It's working. Uh, you know, he's he's getting it done. He's on pace to achieve that. Uh, and like Kirby Yates has obviously taken a, a huge jump up uh, with 29 saves in the first half. Uh, yeah, so the names are shifting around, but reliever volatility, it's like Kirby Yates, Brad Hand, two guys I don't want to touch next year. <laughs> that, that's going to be the question. And I think I think my answer, because I'm typically the guy, because uh, and I'll be real honest, I'm, I'm the guy who says, like, I'm going to pay for the elite closer because – they're the ones that tend to have the least shaky, the roles uh, that are less likely to be replaced. Uh, it has not worked out very well for me. I don't. I didn't have a lot of shares of Edwin Diaz, but I do have a lot of shares of Trinan. Uh, it's been uh, brutal, um, you know. And those were the two guys that were kind of the cream of the crop in terms of at least in terms of ADP. You know, Edwin Diaz was going at around pick fifty-seven. Uh, Trinan was going at about pick 66. Uh, Kenley Jansen, pick 68, has worked out fairly well. Brad Hand, like you said, 73. It's worked out well. Robert Osuna. I think I think what we're going to probably, at least what I'm going to probably do next season when it comes to closer is uh, I, I'm going to target still kind of the top guys, but maybe that second tier um, and not and not maybe overpay for that first tier. Yeah, it's going to be uh... – and even in Tout Wars, as I look at it, this is a nice you – know, Rob Leibowitz has got a two-point lead on me because I just completely blew a 15-point lead in, in the month of June. Uh, and he also was the guy who picked up Hendricks a couple of weeks ago. And uh, the the saves category, very tight. Like this could be a nice five-point jump for him uh, if, if Trinan can continue just to pick up saves uh, in that category. But it is – this is why we hate closers. This is why we hate saves. I mean, I, I'm in one home league where we have saves plus holds, and I like it. Because it, it's you know it, it spreads out the value a little more, but I'm tired of every time somebody gets hurt, who's the closer? I'm like I, I'm not even thinking in that mindset anymore. I don't want to talk about it because it's so annoying that we put this much emphasis on one single category. Yeah, uh, the, a dynasty league that I started in this year. Uh, it's actually the Friends Fancy Benefits Staff Dynasty League, um, and I did not have any sort of control in terms of the rules that were made for this. Uh, but we're using, I think it's saves times two plus holds. So each save is worth like two points and, and a hold is worth one in that category. Uh, it is actually working out really well because it still values the closers over the holds guys, but the holds guys actually have that added value uh, where especially in such a, it's a 30 team league. So it's in such a deep dynasty league. Uh, you need to have those kind of um, holds guys ha- have the value. 
I don't know that there is a good solution for leagues. I think <laughs> I think every every year there are discussions about oh well should I go with save should I go with hold should I go with save plus hold should I go with some sort of variation of that there, there's no good solution there's no good there really is that I mean it's just, but going with just saves is not a good solution it's definitely it's definitely not the right solution I just don't know uh, what the right solution is at this point and I mean until we have some sort of good answer we can always play around can we with come things. up I mean <laughs> It really marginalizes the pool, but you know we have the quality start. Why can't we have the quality relief appearance, mm-hmm. the QRA? But the problem is, like a QRA, you would define it as two innings pitch with uh, allowing no earned runs, right? So a run, fine, no earned runs. But maybe that, but I think that really marginalizes because how many guys really pitch two full innings in relief now? Yeah, I mean, and closers don't. So, I mean, for the most part, uh, you know, except for a limited few. So you totally demolish the value of guys like Chapman and Jansen, who are elite closers. I yeah, you have to get a scoring system to play with it. Because even if you looked at if you looked at it like by batters faced, to say you have to face at least or. You know, like if you have the immaculate inning, you face three batters, you get all three outs. Like you should get more credit for that, but you should lose credit if you're in there like doing one of those dumps of a save where like, okay, you got one inning, three hit, like four base runners, but you get the save. Or like last night when Colin Poche got the win despite allowing a home run. Like he came in, faced two batters, allowed a home run and got a win. Like, gay? <laughs> could, could you do something that like it's saves times K per nine? Something like you know, so your your saves matter, but your K per nine is really the thing that I don't I don't I honestly don't know. How it I just I just hate the whole emphasis on yeah. one single category. It drives me nuts. Speaking of an emphasis on one particular category, uh, Jose Alvarado is heading to the injured list. Going to miss it probably two to four weeks. Two uh, to I'm, six. Or sorry, two to six weeks. Uh, I'm definitely it's a oblique injury, I believe. Right, so it's. Yep probably closer to that six weeks time frame uh, than the two week time frame. Uh, who's going to close in Tampa Bay? Cause the situation has not been pretty as of late. It has not been. I mean, Diego Castillo comes back off to IL uh, after the all-star break. He's, he's down working in the, the minors this week on rehab starts. So he comes back. So you figure it'll be him, but let's be real. He hasn't been as good as he was last year. Uh, and that's been the problem with Jose Alvarado. He, too, has not been as good as he was last year. Obviously, took a whole week off, a whole month off from the team for family issues back in Venezuela. Came back, looked really good in his first outing, and then got just obliterated by Baltimore. Uh, you know, six earned runs, could not do it, bouncing pitches. Uh, and then the first batter yesterday looked good, and then flop. I mean, he got uh, LeMahieu to ground into a double play, uh, which is amazing considering there's a runner in scoring position and LeMahieu's hitting something like 1,050 with runners in scoring position this year. Uh, but he, he did that, but then he uh, threw a pitch and uh, kind of winced, and then they said oblique. So you figure it's Castillo, uh, but honestly, the only reliever that I trust these days, despite the home run yesterday, is Poche. I mean, you look at uh, – you look at uh, – Go just go down the chain. Emilio Pagan has got a home run problem. It's tough to put him in the late innings when he's giving up 2.5 home runs per nine. 
Uh, that's been the problem. Yes, he can miss some at bats, but you know the Yankees in particular have really weird his ass out. Uh, you know, Stanek got beat around. He's better as an opener than he is a late ending reliever. Uh, for some reason, he just does better in that role, and he really struggles when he comes in late in games. Uh, Chaz Rowe last yesterday struck out three guys uh, around a walk, and, fr- and frankly, he got squeezed on the walk. That may be his best outing of the year. Uh, may have saved his job because he has been that terrible outside of that outing. Andrew Kittridge has looked pretty good since he's come up from the minor leagues. I mean, I, I can see it being a matchup thing, but right now it should be Castillo's to lose. Um, but even before the injury, he was losing it. So it, it honestly could be wide open. Maybe it's Oliver Drake for a day, uh, but it is it is not a good situation. Uh, I think uh, anything, this move accelerates their need to uh, add somebody here uh, sooner rather than later. They did uh, just call up Ian Gabo, uh, and that whole spelling is G-I-B-A-U-T. Uh, yeah, he's from Louisiana. Uh, so, uh, you know, down in the minor leagues this year, he's had he's been striking out a ton of guys. I mean, he has, uh, he has 75 strikeouts in 56 innings. Uh, and has only allowed three home runs in those 56 innings. So maybe that's another guy that comes into play um, with that. Or I, I'm sorry, I'm reading the, I'm reading 2018. That's what he did last year. This year he's missed a lot of time. I forgot about that. 16 strikeouts and nine and a third. Uh, so he's been working his way back. So he just got added to the roster. Um, but, you know, so he does have the ability to miss bats. Um, but again, Castillo's job to lose, but come have a plan a and a plan b because plan a is not that solid yeah i'm with you i mean that's i i probably kind of rank those guys in, in a similar order i do like Pache. He he's uh been impressive when i've uh, watched him pitch uh, and i think paul and i talked about him before i left on vacation as a guy that uh, I was kind of picking up in my deeper formats as a stash just in case. So All fastballs, man. It's beautiful. I mean, he, he's like 98% fastballs. And he's got – there was a great article at The Athletic uh, this week <clears throat> that talked about it and how he his college pitching coach was Wes Johnson, uh, who's the pitching coach of the uh, Minnesota Twins. Uh, and you've seen what the success the Twins have had this year. So uh, but this his fastball is all about the rise, and it's a really good read. And I encourage you to read it uh, and take a look at him. But that's what it is, man. He really doesn't throw anything else. Uh, it is all fastball, and it's not like it's a big fat. It's not like it has big velocity. Like he's 91, 95 with it. But the extension on the pitch makes it look better than it is. The release point, and, and he just has a lot of rise on his fastball. Uh, and he's got a big whiff rate on the pitch, and that's really where it where it stands out. Uh, I mean, I picked him up. He was somebody, obviously, uh, as a guy on my favorite team. Uh, I wanted to have him, so I have him in a number of uh, AL leagues. Um, I never even got the chance to roster him in AL Tout in the draft because I had other guys' names, but I did get him in Fab, uh, and that's and so I've been I've been enjoying him in my lineup. But we're talking about again, he's using that fastball uh, as much as he is, and. Yeah, he's got the whiff rate on a on his fastball is twenty four percent. I mean, that's that's an elite whiff rate on a fastball. Guys know it's coming. He's throwing it almost every single pitch, and one in four are being swung and missed at. Yep. Uh, let's uh, move on. Talk about a prospect who's being making his major league debut. Uh, the Brewers have called up Mauricio Dubon. Uh, Dubon is a former top prospect for the Brewers who. Uh, has lost a lot of kind of the sheen 
on uh, kind of his prospect pedigree. A uh, guy who has uh, some speed, uh, a very little pop, uh, but a decent hit tool. Um, was hitting 307, 343, 491 in AAA with 14 home runs and nine stolen bases. Uh, so, I mean, the pop is really starting to show um, this season. Uh, is this a guy that you're interested in picking up, or is this a short-term solution for you? I have him in two uh, draft and hold leagues. I, I really liked him coming into the season. He's He was actually my bold prediction at Rotowire. I said he was going to earn $10 in an NL-only format this year. Hey, let's understand, before Keston Hira, it was Mauricio Dubon. The problem was Dubon tore his ACL last year uh, at a play, I think, uh, at a play on the bag, tore his ACL. Uh, and so he was hitting extremely well last year before the injury, and he's hit really well this year, too. It was my, it was my point when I made that bold prediction that, that yes, Hira is really good, but Dubon, if something happens on the roster, if Hernan Perez, something happened, and it did, you know, that that Dubon would get the first chance. Well, it didn't happen. Obviously, Hira did, and then Hira took out uh, took out Orlando Garcia, which now gives Dubon the opportunity to uh, took him out physically, colliding on a play. Uh, I think Garcia broke an arm or saw, has an arm injury enough to go on the disabled list. I forgot exactly what the injury, but he was dangling his arm uh, as he walked off the field. But Dubon, I do like. I mean, he has. Obviously, when you tear your ACL, you're going to lose a little bit of speed. Uh, but even before that, he had above average speed of 55 on, eight, on the 2080 scale. Uh, so, you know, 14 home runs and nine steals in, in AAA uh, this year. So uh, with the manager that obviously likes to run, maybe he can do that. Uh, maybe get uh, eight to ten steals the rest of the way if he's up for the rest of the season. I don't know how long this is. But I did like Dubon coming into the season. I, I'm honestly just surprised it took this long for him to come up. Uh, according to uh, Craig Council, uh, a few minutes ago, they said Orlando Garcia is fine. Uh, it's more of a shock type th- uh, issue uh, than a serious injury um, that he actually might even see game action today. So uh, this is not something that they expect him to go on the IL f- uh, on the IL for. So that's good news for him. I mean, good bad news for Dubon. Yeah, <laughs> even but- today, Tyler Sell apparently Dubon's still trying to make his way to wherever Milwaukee's playing today because Tyler Saladino is in the lineup today and Dubon even, isn't even in the lineup. Yeah. So, let's see where let's see. I don't where are the uh, Brewers playing today? That's a good that's a good question. So, I know he's traveling from uh Nashville I think is where they're No, San Antonio. Oh, they're in San Antonio. They're in the, their minor league. Uh Not a great airport to get honestly, not a great airport to get a lot of direct flights. So I believe they're at home, actually, in Milwaukee. Which is probably dead. No, they're in Pittsburgh. Oh, they're in Pittsburgh? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah, well, I could imagine I could imagine there are not too many direct flights between San Antonio and Pittsburgh. Yeah, I could, I could see that. Uh, all right. Uh, I think if Dubon is going to stick, uh, Arcia is, is fantastic love-wise, but it's not like he does much with a bat to keep himself in the lineup on a regular basis. I do believe that Dubon has had some experience uh, playing other positions in the infield as well. So oh, yeah, he could play both sides. Yeah, so I think they could move him around. Uh, Dubon's an interesting guy, especially in NL only, uh, but I might even take a shot on him in deeper mixed, uh, you know, like a deeper 15-team mix, uh, just because there is some upside. There's, like you said, power, speed, and a hit tool. So uh, 
I think there. I think this is a guy that I, I'm willing. I'm not going to drop a ton of fab or anything like that. Um, I think uh, today in tout, I'm bidding like eight or nine bucks uh, in in NL tout. Uh, but I'm also trying to conserve uh, the hammer right now because I have oh. a uh, nine dollar. Oh no, uh, let's see. Um, I have a seventeen dollar <laughs> advantage over. Uh, Derek Cardi for for the hammer in, in Tauora. So for the trade. Well, here's line. the other here's the other thing to keep in mind. Uh, this is also a prime candidate if 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 Milwaukee is going to deal for the starting pitcher they sorely need. Uh, this would be the guy that they would dangle. I mean, th- they got him when they traded uh, Tyler Thornburg to Boston. And when you look at how their infield's shaping up, obviously it's tough to carry both Hura and Dubon if you, you know, with Arcia and whatnot. This would be the kind of guy that I could see them trading to acquire a starting pitcher well, as, well, a, as part of the package. I, I'd be happy to set up that package with Madison Bumgarner um, right now. If, if you, you know, He's too young for the Giants. I mean, <laughs> this guy is what? He's 24. I mean, yeah, Giant, maybe in six years the Giants will come calling. Not now. Stop it. Too young. Uh, be, be nice to put him at second base and take panic out of that lineup. So, um, but I digress, you know, I'm sure the giants are going to, especially now that Bumgarner got hurt and yesterday, you know, giants would be like, well, we'll probably just end up keeping him for the rest of the year and then letting him go walk away for free. <sighs> yeah. Hopefully it's, I mean, he, he got the contusion who, who drilled him on the elbow. I can't remember who it was, but I was just like, oh, God, he just broke his elbow. Uh, but apparently x-rays came back negative. It's just a contusion. Uh, you know, he can rest for a while now. May, they may even skip his first start off the break. Uh, and uh, and then, you know, that he'll be back in plenty of time to be traded at the deadline, hopefully. I think it was Jose Martinez. Yeah, it oh, was it Jose was. Martinez. Yeah, it was Jose Martinez. Yeah. All right. Uh, speaking of... Uh, guys and elbows getting broken and things like that. Uh, let's talk a little bit about AJ Pollock. He is starting a rehab assignment. Uh, he is recovering from an infection on that broken elbow from a few years back. Uh, I, I don't know how that happens necessarily, uh, but apparently it, it does. Uh, so uh, is AJ Pollock a guy you're scooping up in fab uh, if, if he's available on waiver wires? Because I know I grabbed him in a couple leagues last week. Yeah, I I would be. I mean, I've been sitting. I have on my and my NL league, and I I have a bunch of issues in that league. But yeah, I have. I've been sitting on them. I've actually uh, declined a few trade offers, uh, but I may need to act them because I my team is in rebuild mode, and this is a guy that I need to. I don't want to give him away, so I want him to come back and let's see what I got, and then I can move him uh, away. Uh, but yeah, I would take him. Obviously, when you look at the what he's capable of when he's healthy in the lineup that he's going to be playing in. I'm just trying to figure out, you know, playing time. Everybody's doing so well. He's got, he's got the, not like they're just going to hand it off back to him and say, all right, job's yours again. Yeah. I I don't know exactly. I mean, they'll figure it out obviously. And you know, these things have a tendency to work themselves out, whether, you know, someone gets injured or someone goes through a horrible slump. Uh, The question to me becomes, um, if they're going to put him obviously back into that outfield is that like, I, I know they said they don't want to move Cody Ballinger back to first base. Right. So this becomes an interesting <laughs> situation. Right. Uh, they're going to make room for him. They get, they paid him way too much money. They're paying him way too much money to sit him on the bench. So 
you know, maybe the, the platoon of Garlic and uh, Beatty, uh, and that's over. One of them gets sent back down uh, to the minor leagues. But this is also a guy they'll need to probably ease back in. So I'm sure they'll, they'll work it out one way or another. But, you know, once Seeger comes back as well, you're looking at a guy that, you know, and David Freeze comes back, you're, you're going to be looking at someone's going to lose a lot in playing time. And it's probably, wouldn't you say it's between, I mean, obviously Chris Taylor is going to lose a lot of playing time, but like it's got to be between Jock Peterson and, and Alex Verdugo. Yeah, that's really what it has to come down. I don't see any other path forward. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, I I, I love both Verdugo and, and Peterson from just a straight baseball perspective. Um, uh, from a fantasy perspective, I think I'm more inclined to hope that Verdugo's the one who loses time. Because I just think Peterson has a little bit better upside, but I, I don't know. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think you you put you leave Verdugo, Verdugo becomes that weapon off the bench, but it's tough. I you know, when you look at how well Peterson does against righties, it's really tough to say, and that's what you're facing predominantly. It's really tough to say, sorry, dude, you you're going to sit, and we're going to give other guys a chance. That's his best value. Yeah, it's just hard. It's also hard to sit a guy in Verdugo who is. What twenty three years old and hitting three hundred at the major league level, like True. it's like I, I I don't know what they do. Maybe they need to tra- <laughs> like they they, maybe they just need to trade Verdugo. Oh, I, mean, I I don't know what you necessarily trade him for, but you'd have to think, you know, as a guy who plays pretty decent defense, uh, and is hitting like I said three hundred nine home runs at the major league level in three hundred plate appearances. Uh, I mean, he would get a haul, right? Well, what? Yeah, I mean, when you look, I mean, Dodgers. It's like, what do they need? That's really what you got to get yourself down to. It's like, what do they need? How much room do they have cap wise? But it's like with Peterson, he's he has a one thirty eight WRC plus against lefties. All twenty of his, I mean, against righties, all twenty of his home runs have come against righties. That's how bad he is against lefties. I mean, you can't you can't bench a guy who's that good against righties. You can't. Uh, I'm really bad at these trades. Uh, you know, these perspective trade uh, ideas, but here, I'm going to throw one out to you. You tell me which side says no. Um, the Dodgers trade Alex Verdugo to the Cleveland Indians, uh, maybe another minor league piece uh, for Trevor Bauer. Mm. You move Ross Stripling um, back to the bullpen, and you have a rotation that is Kershaw, Ryu, uh, Bauer, Bueller, and Maeda. It's something the Dodgers could certainly uh, afford, you would think. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Man, yeah, why not? Yeah, I, I just, yeah, I mean, I, otherwise, I don't know what. I mean, unless they're gonna beef up that bullpen, you know. Right. But uh, I mean, they have what do they have. We're looking at oh, 190 million of guarantee, 191 million of guarantee. Like, I don't know where they're at like towards luxury tax and all that, how much they would have to. They'd figure it out, you know, one, one way or another. Holy cow. They have 22.45 million of Homer Bailey that they're paying. Yeah, that's right. I forgot about that. Holy crap. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> wow. Oh. 
Oh, and they're paying Russell Martin twenty million this year. It's like next year. It, obviously, it, it, they've got about seventy-five million coming off the books next year. Yeah. But I wonder how much wiggle room do they have because they've got a lot of stuff. You know, they got Russell Martin coming off the books. I don't. You know, Hung Jin Ryu. That, I mean, that, that, are they going to pay that? That's that's their out right there. Is they trade. Um, you know, they they add a better prospect in. So you add in a guy like. Um, I don't know. I'm just looking randomly kind of through their prospects looking for a guy that, uh, you know, you add in. They're not going to do Gavin Lux, but, you know, someone maybe right below Gavin Lux. Uh, and with, with Verdugo and Russell Martin, because they've got Will Smith, they have Austin Barnes. They, do, they don't need Russell Martin on this team. He's got a lot of cap room for this year, but he comes off the books next year. And the team eats the salary for the rest of this season in order to help to keep them under the luxury tax. Yeah. So, all right, let's uh, let's move on. And talk about our fat pickups of the week. Um, a, a number of weeks ago, I believe it was during the infamous uh, uh, Fabageddon that we had. Uh, a lot of people spent a lot of money on Nate Lowe, and they were promptly <laughs> burned by Nate Lowe, uh, or at least by the Rays when Nate Lowe was sent down. Uh, he's come back up uh, in replacing uh, G-Man Choi. Is now a time to go blow another bunch of fab on Nate Lowe, or are we going to get burned again? I think y'all going to get burned again. I mean, I think <laughs> Choi comes back. I think Choi comes back after the All-Star break. Uh, and, I mean, the, the, the problem is they're both lefty. They're both lefty first basemen. Uh, and it's not like Choi has been dead weight. You know, so it's like you're trying to figure out how you're going to make room for both guys. Uh, you know, you have you have Fam and you have Garcia playing the corners. Uh, it, usually, it's Fam or Garcia playing DH because you've got this four guy rotation of Bam, Garcia, Kiermaier, and Meadows. Uh, and it really depends. Like today, Meadows is sitting because Paxton's pitching, uh, and so that's where that's where the the thing. So it's like, okay, you can't just DH him. So you can't really carry two left-handed first basemen, neither of which really hit lefties, despite the home run that Nate, uh, Nate Lowe hit yesterday off of CC Sabathia on a hanging slider. So it's like one of those things where when Choi comes back, I mean, he went on the DL uh, or the IL with a left ankle sprain um, on January 2nd. So he should be back right after the break. And I think, I think Nate Lowe goes down again. I, I don't know how I don't know how you can carry both guys. I really don't. I don't either, and so I kind of agree with you. I'm. I think I put in like a, some really small bids on Nate on Nate uh, Lowe just in case. Uh, you know, other people in my leagues avoid him, and I can get him for cheap. And you never know what happens if he pops. But if I get burnt for you know five or ten dollars of fab, I'm not super worried. Uh, I mean, it's not, not not like my buddy Matt Thompson who burned five hundred and fifty something dollars <laughs> on him in TGFBI, and then he got sent down. I mean, over the last month, Choi's been a one twenty nine WRC plus. That's not something yeah. the club's going to cut. Sorry, and he's really well liked uh, by the team, but it's, oh. that's just not something and the fans, the, the club's going to really like him. Yeah, that's uh, not something the club's just going to cut. It's not like he's not performing. He's actually looking better at the plate. Uh, they just they called up Michael Brousseau uh, a couple of days ago as a right-handed option. Like that, it's going to be one of those two guys that go down, and I almost guarantee it's going to be Nate Lowe. Could Nate Lowe be a guy they look to trade? 
Um, I mean, there's no room for them. This is a team that wants to win a World Series. They're competing for it. Well, there's no room right now. Try next year, but sure. Why not? Madison Bumgarner for Nate Lowe and sure done. Um, <laughs> we'll throw we'll throw in Will Smith if you guys throw in another oh. you know prospect. So sure, you can take Nick Solak on top of that. There we go. This is good. John should have hired me as a GM. I got this shit <laughs> locked down. Uh yeah, but no, I I don't I, I don't see how the club can carry both. And if 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 Nate Lowe was right handed, easy easy decision to stay up. He's yeah. not, so he won't be. Yeah, it's unfortunate. Um, let's uh, let's talk about, uh, speaking of the Giants, Austin Slater hit a grand slam last night and has been on fire since being called up. Any interest in picking up him? Is this middle initial J, so we can call him AJ Slater? Uh, I'm going to say that it is, even though I have no idea. That would be awesome. <laughs> that would be absolutely awesome if he was. I'm looking it up, actually, as, as we... Uh, as we talk, uh, you know, you know, there is a generation of people that are not going to get that reference from us. Well, shame on them. <laughs> Seriously, shame on them. <laughs> uh, so, any interest in Slater or no? Um, it, honestly, if his middle initial was a J, yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry, it's Austin. Oh, you know, C, C, A, C, Slater. Never mind. Sorry, yeah, A, C, Slater. Um, Austin Thomas. Slater. Oh, AT Slater, close enough. Yes, I, I'll. Sorry, uh, my battery's running low for some reason. My plug's not plugged in, uh, so I'm moving away from my mic for real quick. And uh, but yeah, I have. Uh, I mean, the Giants are gonna let dudes play. So as long as they're letting them play, then let's let's take a shot at them. I mean, you can't look at AAA stats. Yeah, he's hit really well in AAA, but everybody has hit really well in AAA, especially if you play in El Paso, uh, which he does not. Uh, but everybody's hitting really well in AAA this year. But if he's going to get playing time, let's keep rolling with it. Yeah, I he, I think he's a short side platoon guy, which to me in San Francisco doesn't seem like it's going to have a ton of value. There are a lot of lefties in the NOS, so maybe he's got some more value than, than uh, most short side platoon guys. But I just uh, – no, I, I just don't have that much interest. He's probably the best outfielder. Um, I want to say on the team, and I think that is pretty close to debatable. Uh, that being said, that's not saying very much, and I don't know that the Giants are. I mean, if the Giants really liked Austin Slater. He would have been up at the start of the season. That's true. Not like they had a log jam at the outfield, no. and he played well enough at the end of last year to warrant just giving him a chance to play. But they went through. You know what they they had Jan Jarvis Solarte, they had uh, uh, Aralda Parra, they had you know I mean they went through all then they picked up all these guys and dropped you know what is it, Joe whatever his name was um, and uh, yeah just if the Giants liked him he would have been playing mm. by now I think at My this boy point, Tyler Austin's not doing well no and he's a short again short sight platoon guy and it just there's just not enough at bats when you're doing that especially on a bad team. Uh, to warrant a pickup, even in NL only. I think, I mean, if you're desperate in NL only, I think I have a $0 bid on him in Tout Wars as a contingency. You may get him. Yeah, so. <laughs> All right, uh, let's go ahead and talk about someone who might be a lot more interesting. Uh, Denelson Lamette, uh, he is back after having Tommy John surgery. Are you grabbing him? 
No. No, and this is this is going to be my standard answer for everybody coming off major surgery issues. I think yep. we had the same – I think Paul was on when we talked about Jimmy Nelson. Uh, and I'm just like, nope, nope, nope. This is my standard response for every single one of these guys. I'm sorry. You guys can be different than me, but this is always going to be my, my response. I don't care what velocity readings are in the minor leagues. All I want to see is how how he's commanding his pitches when he pitches because command is always the last thing that comes back for these guys. So if you can get a chance to watch Lamette pitch, watch him pitch, watch where the catcher's setting up, watch where the ball, see how often he's hitting. If he's hitting his spots, my interest is greatly increased because I loved Denelson Lamette coming into last year. Uh, I, I, had him in, I had him in 17, was really high on him for 18, got hurt, out. Now he's back. I need to see command first. Uh, you got to. You have to show me something. I'm not just going to buy your reputation because I've been burned way too many times in the past by. All right, he's back. He's gonna pick up right where he left off. Yeah, sorry. I mean, the the Jimmy Nelson memory should uh, uh, reminder should be very fresh in everybody's head. I think, and, and Lamette was a guy that I didn't like uh, prior to the injury, so I nothing's gonna change here for me. Uh, especially when you add in the fact this is a guy who struggled with command all throughout the minor leagues. Uh, it's one of the reasons why he didn't get more uh, pub in spite of the fact he was striking everybody out uh, coming up. Uh, and now he's had Tommy John surgery. Like I said, command's the last thing to come back. Uh, he, you know, In his first start, he looked pretty much the guy, like the guy that he was. He looks like a guy who uh, has got, only got two pitches, um, one of them is a bad fastball, and the other one's a great slider. So that might work for a little while, and I think, but I think there's going to be some really, uh, really bad outings, and it's going to be hard to predict when they're at. Yep. All right. Uh, let's talk about Dylan Cease. Then he made his major league debut. Uh, is he a guy that you're interested in? You know, I saw him pitch a couple of times here in Charlotte. Uh, I I uh, liked uh, what I saw from him. I mean, there's some inconsistency. With the stuff, which is to be expected uh, for the uh, for the age, but I, you know, he's got obviously has a big arm, and that's what you want to see. But even even down here, I saw him struggling with command, and that's really what it comes down to. I know we had a nice debut uh, the other day, uh, but you you saw it in the walk totals when he walked four guys, really struggled the first inning, but settled uh, settled down nicely after that. But that's the, that's been the issue that I saw down here in the minors. It's like, yeah, he can throw hard, which is awesome. Uh, but can he command his pitches? Yeah, falls behind, relies on the fastball, gets hit hard, uh, and that's really what I, I expect to see more of the same here at the major league level. But when you talk about a guy who throws as hard as he does um, and was struggling this year just with the walks, I mean, we we've talked about that the same thing, the the same ball in major league as used in AAA. Uh, but he did a really good job of keeping the ball in the yard uh, this year. Only one, 0.5 home runs per nine, but 4.2 walks is just going to uh, offset that, and that's why that's why you saw him struggle with it. But he's got he has the recipe: high velocity, lots of ground balls. But if he can get the command, major step up. Until then, you're going to see some inconsistencies uh, and the struggles uh, that we uh, that we often see from that same recipe of pitcher. Yeah, and I mean he's a guy that he's super young, so. There's obviously going to be struggles. I will say this. I was super impressed by that outing. Uh, he struggled in that first inning, like you said. He walked three guys. But then he only had one walk the rest of the game. Struck out, I believe, six uh, in the outing. Gave up a home run. But, I mean, 
overall, it was a really, really impressive outing. His stuff looks awesome. Uh, I, I'm very, very intrigued with Dylan C's. Uh, he's a guy that I've mentioned a number of times, uh, you know, over the last few months as a guy who could be up. Uh, I have a few shares, and I'm hoping that they're going to, to pay off. But I think ultimately, I think the results outside of the strikeouts are going to be uneven. I don't, I don't think you're going to get like this isn't a guy who's necessarily going to like take off from you know or hit the ground running necessarily and be like a you know a three ERA pitcher with you know a 25 to 28 percent strikeout rate. I think he's going to get you the strikeouts, and I think his ERA is probably like a four two four three. Um, and the whip probably isn't great either necessarily. But I think there are going to be brilliant starts along the way. Yeah, I mean, he's made 15, 15 starts, and I'm air-quoting this because his last start in AAA was one inning. Yeah, uh, I really pulled him knowing that he was coming up. <laughs> correct. So so, uh, so let's say 14 starts. He's had three or more walks in half of those 14 starts. So, in fact, his he wasn't even pitching – you know, in the month of in the month of June, his last three full starts, three walks, three walks, three walks, five run runs, four run runs, four run runs, and these were all five, five and uh, five and a, the five and two thirds, five, and then he had a bad stink bomb against um, uh, it says Cincinnati, which is wrong. So whatever the uh, Indianapolis, I guess that is, uh, two thirds of an inning, seven batters faced, four earned runs, three walks. No strikeouts. So it wasn't like he was even pitching that great in the month of June. I mean, his his stats in June were really not good. But again, the stuff's there, uh, and so again, command is gonna. It's just it's the same. It's the same thing with all these kids. Got the great stuff. How can they use their secondary pitches when they have to use them? And is their fastball good enough to get by when they're down three one in the count? Can they hit their spot? Because you can still use your fastball, uh, as we were talking about with Poche. Everybody knows it's coming, and he's still been really good with it. But can you hit your spot in the 3-1 count with it so you can use it? Otherwise, are they just going to spit at your off-speed stuff and hunt for your fastball? Yep. All right. Uh, let's uh, talk about Chance Sisko, who's finally come back up to the major leagues as well uh, and playing fairly well. Catcher depth in, in Major League Baseball, especially in fantasy uh, has been uh, lacking, to say the least. So, are you grabbing Chancisco? Man, I had Chancisco. He was on. He was my catcher in Tout Wars at the draft, and I had to dump him because he got sent down to AAA. Uh, and I've been riding Pedro Severino, which has been nice. And so here the here the Orioles are with two good offensive catchers now. I mean, both of these guys are above <laughs> average hitters. Uh, Cisco is striking out a ton. Uh, Severino's not doing that, but Cisco is clearly the uh, is the C one now in Baltimore. And Severino is starting once or twice a week, uh, and Cisco's getting that time. So perhaps they they uh, trade Severino. Um, I don't know here, but it's kind of frustrating for me because I drafted the guy that I liked more. I ended up fabbing Severino for next to nothing, and I've enjoyed that uh, because you know Christian Vasquez is my catcher one, so who cares? I mean, I got that guy everywhere, and I'm just loving life because he's just blowing away at my expectations this year. Uh, but I would be more angry if I didn't have uh, Vasquez uh, here. But you know, maybe the Orioles trade Severino because they can. Nobody should be nailed, really nailed down on that roster, um, and yeah, having two above av- offensive average catchers or above above average offensive catchers uh, in this day and age. But, you know, then again, I, I tweeted something out this morning. Right now, James McCann is leading all catchers in batting average with 317. But the guy hit 220 last year, and he's pulling 317 out of thin air. I know, but, he's my yeah, top even, wars catcher. <laughs> right? And you look at, I mean, look at by by, uh, w, uh, by, by uh, Woba, and Gary Sanchez is fifth 
as a well scary Sanchez is having a power year, he's fifth. We have all these catchers that are that are hitting, but then a lot of people are looking for that other catcher option. Like I'll start in Tampa Bay. Mike Zunino sucks as bad as I thought he did. I mean, Travis Darnot has been a miracle grab from the Dodgers, uh, and he's hitting well. But Mike Zanino looks like trash at the plate. He is worse than he was in Seattle. Uh, you know, that's so. I mean, they could—they've got a market for teams that. Hey, who's your other catcher? Uh, let you know. Let's let's try something out. I mean, Boston, Sandy Leone, really? Uh, I, I know the catcher ERA is sweet, but yeah, that's where you—that's where you get down. That's where things get down to. So uh, I'm just frustrated. I'd like again getting back to Cisco. Loved him before the year. Believed in the upside. Was frustrated when he didn't get the job coming out of camp, uh, but has earned it. And he's the better catcher of the two of these guys. Yeah, completely agree with you. Uh, Cisco is a guy that I, I try to kind of draw a grab. Uh, right before he came up in, in a number of leagues uh, because he was hitting so well in Triple A, and it was just a matter of time before the Orioles just decided he needed full-time uh, plate appearances. Uh, it's it's amazing that, uh, I mean, if, if you look at just ca- uh, war and kind of or sort the catching position by war over on Fangraphs, uh, Danny Jansen is, is 18th, um, and, I mean, he's been atrocious. He has not been good, but he's, yeah. he's, been, he's been better he's of been, late. He's been, better, he's been hot as of late. Yeah, um, yeah. So that's been a disappointing rookie campaign, um, yeah, as I well know, as he, he looked he, last year. He, hmm. he he's who I've got paired with James McCann in uh, in the main event. I think I said Towers before, but obviously I, I'm an NL Tout, so can't have either of those guys. But those that that's my pairing in 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 the main event, and this has been a finally good week for that pairing. Nice. All right, uh, let's uh, let's kind of finish up with two last guys. Uh, one is Dom Smith, uh, who's been hot as of late. Are, are you grabbing Dom Smith on the Mets that uh, are just uh, seem to be in total disarray? I want to grab him before he gets hit with a chair uh, that's thrown <laughs> around. Wow, I just feel for his safety. I mean, I yeah, I'm I'm happy for him. I mean, this kid is raking. The problem is he just can't get the playing time that he's. He hits, and he's, a, he's always been a good hitter throughout the minor leagues, uh, and then you're trying to find playing time for him, and that's really where the struggle gets down to. Obviously, he's not going to get time at first base, uh, so he's got to find the time in the outfield. Not a very natural position for him. He's better at first. I mean, he, he's kind of a James Loney profile. Yeah, that's, where, that's kind of where he fits, uh, and he needs to be traded for full value. Yeah, I, 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 I can't roster it. him in a mix. I know I can't roster him in a mixed league just because of the lack of playing time. Uh, and really, I mean, he's the batting average definitely is a huge help. And he's not. I mean, he's hitting for in his playing time, hitting for enough power to not like not to not hurt you. Uh, but he's scoring more runs than he's driving in runs. I mean, that's really the problem. You're looking at rostering a guy, an outfielder that has driven in 14 runs. That's tough. <laughs> but but you're also rostering a guy that's hitting 311 when the league wide batting average is 244, so that helps. Uh, and he's got 30 runs, which isn't a which isn't a zero. But he needs to get traded. Yeah, he he's uh, well one he's really benefited from uh, the the juiced balls. I think he's one of those guys that if for some reason like in the second half we lost the juice balls. Uh, like, you know, Major League Baseball came back in and said, hey, we're going to use these balls now. And they were back to last year's balls. Like, he would be at, like, three home runs or two home yes. runs right now. Uh, a lot of guys like that. <laughs> yeah, and there's, yeah, like, a ton of guys like that. I, I think every episode I mention, I mention at least one. I mean, Josh Bell is, I mean, not to say that Josh Bell would, like, be at five home runs or anything like that. Right? But you can't, um, I can't imagine that he hasn't been the biggest beneficiary of the juiced ball 
Uh, well, know, I made a comment yesterday. The you know the Aaron Hicks hit a home run off Poche in the top of the ninth, and mm-hmm. Travis Darno hit one off Chad Green in the bottom of the ninth. Neither of those baseballs had any business getting out of the no. yard last year. They're both maybe warning track outs. Mm-hmm. They should they would have got they may have gone off the wall, but they the outfielders should have been able to make both those catches. And yesterday they both went over the fence. That to me, that's what that's what baseball is right now. And it's part of me is like, hey, cool. But a part of me is like, man, this sucks. It's, it's like boring. anything that's hit the air, it's like, come on, really? The, even the guys in the interview, I think Eno wrote it up on one of his pieces recently. Like, uh, I forgot who hit the home run. Somebody that they were like, man, I didn't think I got enough of that. And it went out. I think Jared Dyson, I think that was a subject. And he hit uh, And he's like, yeah, okay, I guess I hit it out. But yeah, yesterday, neither of those baseballs should have been home runs. Both of them weren't. I mean, both were like four rows deep into the seats. Yeah, I want to say it was Madden 95. Um, I'm pretty sure it was Madden 95. So uh, when I was a kid, I, I, you know, I mean, I love Madden, uh, played it all the way until I had my own kids. And then, of course, stopped playing video games because it's hard to do when you're chasing around a toddler. Um, but Madden, I, think, I want to say it was 95, had this thing where if you ran a Hail Mary and you put the slot guy in motion and hiked it when he was behind the center, no one would cover him. <laughs> it was just like this little cheat thing where, like, just, you know, he would run free down the middle of the field and you just get a touchdown every time. And it feels like that is, like, what we're dealing with in Major League Baseball right now with the balls. Is it's just a little cheat code that everybody just put the ball in the air and it's going to go out. And um, Dom Smith is one of those guys I think that has benefited from that. I think if the balls change at some point, he's going to definitely uh, regress uh, hard in terms of the power department. I think the average um, is likely, you know, somewhat legitimate. And he's always been a guy with a pretty decent hit tool, but like you said, kind of a James Loney type uh, player. Uh, like you, and like you said, I think he definitely needs a uh, a change of scenery before he's going to have a chance to be fantasy impactful outside of NL only. So. Yeah, the problem, I get it with the Mets. He's 24 years old. I mean, he just yeah. turned 24 last month. It's tough to move somebody, but he's not an outfielder. He yeah. has, I mean, if this was an AL, if we had the DH, not a problem. We have a home for him, but this is not an outfielder. He's having to play left field uh, and it's not, it's not good. And I mean, if, if the um, Mets had, like any of you know the Brandon Nimmo and Cespedes, if either of them were healthy, he wouldn't be playing at all. He'd still be in Triple A. That's right. So I mean, why not? Why not get he? He's played well. He's hit eight home runs, you know, hitting three hundred. Why not get some value? Why not trade him to the Indians and see what you get? So right. All right. Uh, let's finish up uh, with Luis Areze, uh, who is filling in while I believe uh, Rosario's on the DL. Or sorry, IL. Um, what are your thoughts on him? Do you think he's a guy who can stick? He has to. I mean, I, I'm almost like he has to. He he looks really good at the plate. Lots of uh, lots of good bat to ball skills. Um, I mean, we're talking young. He's 22 himself. But I don't know how you send this kid down once no, not- once Rosario comes. I just don't know how you do it. You keep him on the bench because he obviously he can play multiple positions. I think he's a like a ideal pinch hitter. 
uh, with his bat-to-ball skills. I mean, he's got 9% strikeout rate and uh, over 90 at-bats uh, here. And that translates, you look back through his minor league career, that's one thing he has excelled at. Yeah, maybe not to the Willens Astadillo level, but not too far below that. I mean, he has one single-digit strikeout total in his minor league career. Um, and he has the ability to play multiple positions. One of them is not catcher, but he can play He can play uh, a few spots in the infield, can play the outfield. I don't know how you send this kid down. Then who goes down? I mean, because Rosario is going to be ready to come back. Uh, and, you know, I mean, you're going to have this. I mean, I guess they send Jake Cave down. or uh, They're not sending Adrianza down. He doesn't have any options. So it's got to be Jake Cave, right? I need to get to, let's see. It has to be Jake Cave. Has to be. I guess you play Adrianza in the outfield when you need an outfielder's day off. Uh, yeah, I don't know that I'm. Well, you got Marwin. You could play Marvin Gonzalez in the outfield too. Yeah. But so. you know, I don't. I mean, Adrian's is a switch hitter. He too can play all over the place. Uh, but I don't know how you send this kid now. I I don't either. And I mean, there's. Uh, I think Mike Bernardino was saying um, that he not was... him. He he, cover, he covers the um, Notre Dame now, unless oh, he's still right. Like, Unless he's still mentioning baseball. Who's the Twins beat writer right now? Uh, Um, uh, The Korean guy. I'm drawing uh, a blank on his name. No, it wasn't him. It's, uh, God, I totally picture, like, his his Twitter avatar. Um, Rhett Bollinger? No. I'm just typing Twins into, oh, I don't know who, Ethan Dolan. Who is Ethan Dolan? Just came up. I don't know. He's got a verified check mark. He makes uh, Snapchat videos. I, I typed in twins into Twitter search. Okay. That's what it came up as. Um, uh, anyways, uh, whoever the twins beat reporter, I, I, I'm sorry, I can't remember his name um, off the top of my head, uh, said that he thought that uh, Ariza had a strong likelihood of being the twins' everyday second baseman coming into next season. Um, the, sure. That the organization likes him a lot. Um I think they'll figure out a way to keep him on on the 25-man and kind of rotating. Like I said, he can play a lot of different spots. Um, you know, he's kind of a batting average only guy. Uh, but I think that has some value. And he, I think he might have, you know, he's got a little bit of sneaky speed. It hasn't shown up necessarily a ton on the base pass, but he's already got a stolen base, two home runs, hitting 405, 467, 544 so far. In 90 plate appearances yeah. for the I mean, Twins. Cave's, so. got minor, Cave's got minor league options. He's got two left. Um, he seems to be the easy guy to send down here. So uh, I'm, I'm just looking up Ariza's uh, uh, stat cast numbers real quick, seeing if any – nothing super interesting. All right, never mind them. All right, I'm going uh, to move on. Or, well, actually, that's going to be it for this episode. Sweet. I made it through an hour without having a coughing fit. Yeah, you did. Almost exactly oh. one hour. I'm showing one hour and four minutes on the timer, and we we spent four minutes talking through some stuff. So, yes, congrats. Nice. I'm I'm very proud of myself. It's You uh, should get a micro badge for that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what that means, but... <laughs> micro badging. Yeah, you rewards as you do things. It's it's a instructional... Uh, it's a learning tool thing. Oh, yeah. I'm not much of a learner. <laughs> <laughs> um, what do you got going on this week? I am work. I'm finishing my my mid season review of my bold predictions. I have my NL one that went up at RotoWire last week, uh, and I'm wrapping up the AL one. Uh, what I'm quickly finding is most of my pitching predictions. Well, a lot of them went south, but the two I'm most proud of is Lance Lynn and Jake Odorizzi. Both of them I said would be top 100 pitchers, 
uh, and they're doing it. Especially Lance Lynn. Super proud of that one. Super mad that I only have him in one league. Um, and then, but the home run ones is kind of easy. Like I said that that Renato Nunez, but at 25 home runs, not knowing the baseball was going to be inflated, he's got 20. You know, uh-huh. I said Fran Mill Reyes would hit 35. He's got 25. It's like so a lot of the ones that I based on around power are happening because yeah. of the baseball. <laughs> so it's like, hey, genius, look at this. You look great. Uh, but there are some that I I just like. There's some bad ones too, and I'm I'm reviewing like I'm saying what I did, and then I'm including memes uh, as my as my grade on the report card to either make fun of myself or to uh, you know brag about it. Like I used uh, from the office, they used uh, Andy Bernard nailed it for one. I used Ron Ron Swanson saying <laughs> swing and a miss uh, on a team where I'm zero for two. So yeah, I used a lot of memes uh, for that. So I'm I'm finishing that. Um, because some of them, I'm like, man, this like Jorge Polanco worked out really well, but and I I rostered a lot of these guys that I said uh, that I was trying to chase. Uh, so I, I'm I'm doing well overall uh, on the year in the teams I drafted. <laughs> the one I didn't, my NL only league uh, at home because it came the same weekend as Tout Wars, abject disaster. But it's honestly my only league where I'm like absolutely terrible in that I like had control where I was buying players and I could go get the guys that I wanted. Um, doing well auction wise this year. Nice. Um, let's see. Uh, I, f- I found the beat writer from uh, Minnesota Star Tribune, uh, Lavelle E. Neal. The third, oh yeah, yes, who's um, a fantastic, yeah, and he's yes. a fantastic beat writer of the Star Tribune. So I apologize for blanking on his name and wanted to give him credit uh, uh, on kind of that uh, reporting that he he thought at least that uh, a reason that would have a good chance of being the everyday starting a second baseman next year for the Twins. So. Um, let's see, going on in my world, you know, not a whole lot. I'm, I'm still recovering. Uh, I'm going to start doing a bunch of podcasts for baseball and football, uh, baseball here, and then baseball and football at friendsandfantasybenefits.com. Um, football. Yeah, yeah, it's football season, baby. <laughs> you know what? I mean, as much as baseball guys hate the fact that football comes on, it distracts a lot of people in our leagues and gives us a real chance to catch up if we're kind of – um, you know, uh, struggling to uh, get into the money, struggling to lock down those victories and things like that. This is a time where you can take advantage of your teammates because they're going to start turning their attention over to football and you can kind of grind hard in baseball and win. So I have a, a, a group a group chat on my phone that's, that is named, and this we named this like four days after my accident, Jason's face still looks better than the Redskins roster, <laughs> which sums up my which sums up my time for football season. Yeah, yes. Oh my god, that's so funny because it's so true. Uh, for those who don't know, Jason and I are both Washington Redskins fans, um, and and Paul's a Detroit Lions fan. So it's not like we've got even one like winning team on this podcast. We're out of um, the season by week one. Yeah, but yet we all still play fantasy football. Damn right. <clears throat> yep. Uh, yeah, I just uh, I just finished my ranks actually for uh, for I, I've got to get the rest of my staff's ranks together so I can release them. So uh, yeah, check those over at friendsfantasybenefits.com. She'll be on Fantasy Pros uh, again this year. Um, and yeah, yeah, I think that's uh, I think I'm doing the Fantasy Pros football podcast actually here in about a week and a half. So that should be fun. So. Uh, but other than that, um, yeah, just kind of uh, chugging along at uh, the regular stuff. So, uh. hey, it's uh, 
is today the futures game or is that tomorrow? Today, because Major League Baseball does not know how to market. Right. Yeah, I forgot about it. I thought they I thought they were changing that, but apparently not. Uh, I mean, I I don't believe they are. Uh, uh, Paul's in Cleveland. We should text. Yeah, him. I'm looking at it. I'm, <clears throat> I'm looking at some of his stuff right now. Uh, but they have a high school home run derby happening right now. Apparently, uh, Yohandi Morales hit 12. Nice. Yeah. Um, so yes. But yeah, I didn't realize that was on today. I guess I will have to. Um, it usually is on like Sunday afternoon, like five o'clock, right? Yeah, it's yeah. usually on. Hmm. So. I just haven't seen a lot. Maybe it's because all the. Stupid soccer that's in my timeline right now. Um, sorry, not no offense to anybody who likes soccer, but I cannot stand it. Uh, yeah, I, yeah. I, I can't either. So, um, oh, it's at seven tomorrow. The future games at seven o'clock. Oh, they actually, they actually well, changed. Maybe it. it's tonight. Uh, no, it could be the night game because I'm reading MLB Pipeline 14 hours ago. Yeah, you know what? It is tomorrow. It is today at yeah. seven o'clock. And that's the thing. That's the, that's the that's actually good pro- though. Why is it good? It should be on its own day. Well, it's it's the Sunday night game. Why why, do, why does the celebrity all star game, all star softball game, get its own day and not the futures yeah. game? I don't know. I just know shortstop Jesus is hitting leadoff for the American team, Wander Franco. Yeah, I, that's who I want the Giants to trade for. Yeah, I'll give you Buff Garner and Will Smith. I wouldn't take your entire roster for Wander Franco. I'll give you Lucille as well. <laughs> I would take your stadium and Bumgarner, and now we'll call oh. it a fair trade. Yeah, well, I want, long, you pay, long... I want you to pay for the stadium. That's fine. Because Wander I, I, Franco I can, and his career deal. is going to earn is going to earn one billion dollars. So that's <laughs> that's what it's cost to make a new stadium. So if you pay for the raised new stadium, I will give you Wander Franco. Hey, it's not my money. I don't care if they pay for your new stadium. Well, you should be the you should be the Giants GM. You said it earlier, but yeah, right. Um, yeah. yeah, no. As long as you're not taking our announcers. I'm totally okay. Oh, I love our announcers. We've got great oh, okay. radio and TV dudes. Okay. Yeah, yeah. You just, you're just not taking Kruk and Kipe away from me. So, um, But, yeah, that, that'll wrap us up for this episode. Jason and I will be back next week, uh, or I will be back next week. Ho- I, I'm hoping Jason will be here, too. So, uh, as, as long as my travels are good. I mean, I will be next weekend is my son's birthday on Saturday, so we'll, we're, we're uh, going to be in Baltimore for a Friday night game and then a doubleheader on Saturday. Nice. Which I'm looking forward to. I have not gone to a major league doubleheader since I think I was my son's age. So I'm looking forward to that. And then we're flying home Sunday morning direct on Southwest. Uh, should be able to record normal time Sunday, but okay. I will let you know. Uh, if, if for some you, reason you push it to the evening, we'll push it to the evening. Okay. We'll, we'll, cool. we'll get it in, though. So. Yes. All right. All right. Thanks, dude. Take it easy. <laughs>